Hello and welcome again to our podcast. I am in my wife's office, so it's not that I've turned my office pink, but I don't have to worry about animals or extra sounds here, and she is off in the field doing her job, so I am using that. Welcome. I am joined by Reverend Rebecca and Pastor Logan. I'm going to give them a chance to do their intro spill, and then we'll talk about uh, Lesson 10. It'll be May the 9th, 2021. It's from Galatians chapter 2, Faith Greater Than Traditions. All right, go ahead. Becky, you start, and then Logan, you bring it, bring it home. There we go. Okay, I'm Reverend Rebecca Zardi. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. You can find me on YouTube. It's Rebecca, Z-A-H-R-T-E is how you spell the last name. And Mondays and Fridays, I have a devotional video called Welcome to My Porch. Um, you can also find uh, me on Facebook. I pastor two different churches in Western Kentucky at Madisonville First Cumberland Presbyterian and Rose Creek Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Logan. I am Pastor Logan Dixon. I am a candidate in the Arkansas Presbytery, and I pastor at Mars Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Russellville, Arkansas. And you can find me every Monday at the Monday Morning Megaphone. Well, I say every Monday. I haven't done a podcast in a few weeks, <clears throat> but I'll get back in the hang of it. Uh, <laughs> you can find me most Mondays at the Monday Morning Megaphone, uh, which you can find on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. You can also find me and my buddy, uh, Nate Wilcut on the Culty Crimes and Criminal Minds podcast, where we talk about cults, crimes, and things pertaining to, to crime. Yeah. So that's it. That's all I got. All right. So uh, before I get started today, I did want to highlight, not really highlight, um, but ask for prayers. Um, one of our discipleship ministry team members, Jody Rush, mm -hmm. diagnosed with a, a stage four breast cancer. And so we would ask that you would uh, please keep her and her family. She has two daughters uh, that she's asked for prayer for, too, as they try to figure out, uh, you know, all all the all the plans of getting healed and 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 seeing God work good miracles. And so um, that being said, um, we'll go on and say our uh, scripture today is Galatians uh, chapter two, verses 11 through 21 is what's printed, but some background you can find in Galatians one, verses 13 through 17. Um, but we'll start with our prayer of illumination and then we'll go on. Thank you, God, for our salvation. Grant us wisdom by your word that we might look to others with compassion and love. Open our hearts uh, toward others by your Holy Spirit that we may reflect your love to all. Amen. And then our memory verse is a, probably a familiar one to everyone, but it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's Galatians 2.20. And uh, we're going to start by highlighting our discussion question for today. Uh, which is found on page 63. It's the very first discussion question. Share your faith journeys and your stories with one another. There is much love and grace to be found in the testimonies of God's good work. So, uh, Becky, you kind of started by introducing your um, experience with the Cumberland Road, which mm -hmm. Reverend Dusty Luthy is uh, highlighted this week. So if y'all want to learn more about her journey, how she went from Missouri to Paducah to Texas uh, you get to check on how, how Dusty's uh, faith journey is on the Cumberland Road this mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. But since you use that as your introduction, go ahead and get us started on that. Yeah, so my faith journey can also be found on the Cumberland Road. And I was 
way, way back in uh, TJ's lineup, probably, I don't remember, I was like six or seven in, maybe somewhere around there um, when he first started the Cumberland Road. And also you can find some of my testimony on Logan's podcast as well. Um, we had a good conversation and the whole introduction is talking about our faith journey um, or mine in particular and how when I was younger, I had, I had that deep connection with God. I was actually just having a conversation with somebody yesterday about that whole spirit of children. And when I was a kid, I remember standing in my backyard and just being so intimately connected with God that I thought I could control the wind, you know, because it tells us that, that you have this power, the same power that Jesus is going to have and more. And so when I was young and I had that great intimate connection with God, I remember standing in my backyard and going, okay, breeze, stop, (laughs) you know, and when it stopped, I was like, look, look, I could do that. How amazing was that? But then as you grow up and life happens and things change, um, you know, at 23, I left the church completely. I was disillusioned and upset and frustrated and I proverbially slammed the door on church and church people. Um, gosh, just thinking about it now, I remember uh, one of the women at the church that I was attending um, when I was 23 that I left. I remember her coming into my workplace. I worked at a grocery store and she said, you know, we really miss you and we wish you'd come back. And I, I remember turning around and looking at her and going, you know, no, thanks. I'm not interested. And just that abject disbelief that somebody who was so dedicated because I was would tell you no thank you because I was so hurt and frustrated just thinking about that you know that's really hard um to just remember that look that she had on her face but thankfully after 10 years of being a snot (laughs) and misbehaving and doing all the things that you're not that you should not do Um, And that God was directly telling me I shouldn't do, but I was so angry that um, I really just kind of, you know, stuck my middle finger up to the air and said, yeah, watch me, watch what I'm going to do now. And um, yeah, I was, I was angry. I was very, I was a very angry person, Um, which is interesting because I just had another conversation with somebody last week who said, man, you're so laid back and chill. I'm like, should have met me five years ago. <laughs> I was I was not so laid back in chill, but God changes us as yeah. we deepen our relationship with God and as we grow and as we understand what God's calling us to, God changes us. And that's really what I went through. I went through this 10 years of just being so angry and so frustrated that when God brought me back, when he really started pulling at my heartstrings and telling me I needed to come back to church and I needed to get my kids into church. He put the people in my path that would lead me there. Um, not with judgment, not with condemnation, not with look what you did. I can't believe that, you know, not with pointing fingers, but with, you know, I understand what you've walked through. I understand it was terrible because I carried a lot of guilt and shame and regret from everything that I walked through. Um, and they loved me right where I was and said, you know, you don't have to continue this. You don't have to continue this lifestyle and you don't have to continue to be like this and behave like this and just let God talk to you. Just let God enter you. And it was, it was because they loved me where I was at and because they had compassion for me and not pointing fingers and judgment. 
that at 33, when I came back to church, I was able to, even with the shame and regret, and allow God to start working on my life again and, and continue that process and con- to continue to change me to this now, I guess, laid back <laughs> and easygoing person that people see and recognize in me that I definitely was not at that point. Bubbly personality. Yes, yes. Just, you know, just a joy to be around. <laughs> yeah, wanna, not always. I want to tie this back to a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our witnessing. I think the reason why this exercise is important is because you should be um, conversant or competent in being able to express the things which God has done for you. Like that's the, absolutely. it's just good to do, to be able to, to define or to talk about God's goodness. Yeah. And it not be, because I think a lot of times people think because you're standing in a pulpit that you've always been this spiritual called. And I'm like, no, I'm a hot mess. I have to be honest. I was a hot, hot mess. And I've not always been this well-versed in scripture. And I'm not always been this close in my relationship to God. And it is only through God calling me and then me responding in faith and wanting to be closer to him and through my learning. And I've not always done everything perfectly. And I still don't. I don't do everything perfectly. I'm sure there are people that I tick off. And I'm sure that there are things that I say that, that people disagree with. And it's never going to be perfect, but it's that, it's that continued process of walking together with others in this faith journey. That's so important. And I think too many times people look at us and go, oh, you're a Christian, you know, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not perfect. Let's not put me on a pedestal, (laughs) you know, (laughs) better than you, but not perfect. I'm just kidding. kidding. (laughs) Silly. So I had a, I had a pastor when I was when I was still Pentecostal, I had this pastor named Mike Sullivan. And Mike, if you happen to hear this, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, He's one of the ones who helped me a lot. And he got invited to preach at this revival or this conference or something. And he went and preached. And after service, he was shaking hands at the doors with people as they were leaving. And uh, his wife was standing next to him. And some woman came up to him, shook his hand and said, and then shook her hand and said, oh, it must be so you must be so lucky to be married to such a holy man of God. And she just cackled. That's awesome. I was about to say, <laughs> somebody did that to my wife. That'd be a terrible experience for me. That would just be <laughs> That's awesome. That would not be a laughing matter. Like, like here's the thing. You, you think because I read theology books for fun that I'm just this righteous, holy man of God. You, you have no idea. I am, I'm an angry little gnome person. A flawed human being just like the rest of us, right, Logan? Yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing I would say that the reason why this discussion question is important, I, I mean, we're conversant in, in our faith and what God has done for us, but also we normalize it. So like if you're a, like um, you know, most, I'll say I'm going to be stereo, a little stereotyping here. So forgive me. I'm not trying to start any wars, but men generally don't don't show feelings. All right. And so one of the things that I realized when when I was younger, like I, I was, you know, your typical guy, didn't show emotions at all. When I went to the Bible college, 
uh, I, I found um, mature Christians that were able to say, I love you and, you know, open up and, and, and that helped me to normalize just telling people, Hey, I love you. Right. Like, and you know, I, I know it's not, there's just plenty of dads that never tell their kids. I love them, even though they do. And there's plenty of husbands maybe that don't tell their wife enough. I love you because it's that weird emotional thing. Right. But when we normalize things, like if you're hesitant to share your testimony to others, it might be just because you're just not used to it. But if you normalize mm -hmm. it, then it becomes a normal thing. And so that's that's one way that we as a Sunday school class or a church can practice telling our stories. And, and you know, so good, uh, good discussion question on that. And, mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for it. Um, you want to do y'all want to go in any more on the on the introduction part? I think that's good. Yeah. Share your stories. It's important. Share your yep. stories. All right. Well, then we're going to move to the exploring the scripture part. And so Becky, lead us, guide us, direct us. Okay. So the reason I jumped into sharing stories and testimonies is because Paul does that in his writings. Um, he talks about where he's come from and what God's pulled him through and how his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road has changed him. Um, and here we have Paul is writing to Galatia, which, you know, Galatia is a location in Turkey, what we know today is Turkey. Um, and what had happened was Paul and Barnabas had really kind of evangelized this area, but now there were other people that were coming in behind him and they questioned Paul's theology um, they questioned his message that he had and they were like, you know, maybe, maybe Paul's not, not correct. Um, maybe Paul doesn't understand correctly because what we think you need to do is yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but, but you also need to follow the Mosaic law and you need to be circumcised and there are certain foods you can and cannot eat and that sort of thing. Um, and that is not what Paul, Paul was like, no, that's, right. that's not it. <laughs> you do not have to become a Jew to be a follower of Christ. You know, that this, this is not uh, the real story. And so Paul uses part of his story and his testimony of saying, that's, that's not how, how this works. Um, and I thought it was interesting that Barnabas even kind of went over. So it, what I loved about this scripture, and I think there was another one too, that, that we had looked at somewhere in this encounter. I don't remember where it was, um, that there was conflict, even in the beginning church, that there was a lot of things that they were trying to work through and trying to understand. So it's, it's not that we have all of the answers all of the time, but that we need to, to work through things, um, work through things together. And it's through our understanding that faith, our faith in Christ is, is more than just our tradition. So that's where I kind of wanted to start with exploring the scripture. Gotcha. So the discussion question for this, I mean, we, we mm -hmm. were trying to torn on what to, what to use as our highlighted discussion question, but the good news is that we can just ask this one too, right? So we anyway. can, yeah. <laughs> um, so like, again, we talked last week about how like there, there's just going to be quibbles. There's going to be fights and, sure. and the best you can sure. do is be committed to one another 
uh, and then in forgiveness and then in wise instruction and guiding of the Holy Spirit, we keep this boat floating, right? And not destroy ourselves. But uh, the discussion question on page 64 is discuss uh, or share a theological debate that you've been a part of. Who ended up changing their mind and agreeing with the other side? Like maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But do y'all have any experiences in that? I've never been in a theological debate. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I've never been in a theological debate in which I've changed my mind. I don't know. Right. So this was, I, I do have an interesting story. This wasn't really a debate so much as it was uh, an intense line of questioning. <laughs> Okay. So I was filling the pulpit at this Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And um, did you know that there are Cumberland Presbyterians? Well, okay, let me say it like this. Did you know that there are people who call themselves Cumberland Presbyterians that are against infant baptism? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Western Kentucky. <laughs> like yeah. That, that's literally in our confession of faith. <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah. it. it most yeah there was there was a woman who i i was preaching one son i was preaching at this Cumberland presbyterian church filling the pulpit and the sermon wasn't even about baptism but i kind of mentioned i kind of mentioned in passing you know why we baptize infants and she got and she didn't get get mad or offended or anything but she asked me she said well where in the bible do you see that and so I and so I said, well, I said, this is kind of a discussion that can't really be had in just a few minutes. It it requires some context. And so let me send you some information. And she said, OK, well, that's fine. So I sent her a video of. Um, R. Scott Clark, a you know Presbyterian reform guy, uh, Chris, I'm sure you know who that is. I'm not sure, but keep going. Yeah, I sent her a video of, of R. Scott Clark kind of explaining uh, pedo-baptism or infant baptism. And then I kind of explained, you know, we do this because it's a sign of the covenant. We believe that the children, according to 1 Corinthians 7, that the children of believing parents are holy. And so because they're holy, they are entitled to the sign and seal of the covenant. And I said, here's what I have. Here's the video. Here's this article. Here's the scriptures that I have for this. I said, if you have any questions, we'll talk. And so she comes back to me the next Sunday and she's and she said, I've really she said, I, I looked at everything you sent me and I think I've been wrong about this. Hmm. I said, well, OK, that's progress. And so. I think what it is is we just really get co so caught up in the typical mindset of things like it's weird because somehow credo baptism is the default position on baptism in america and dispensationalism is the default end times position and with evangelical. i don't yeah it's just it's just evangelical stuff and We've really got to contend with that because why? Why has, has those things become the default position? It's so psychological, um, social, and historical development. <clears throat> right. I, I appreciate that story in the sense that I bet nobody has ever won a debate 
right? Like really, but people do right. win when they study, right? Like, right. When you, yes. when you yourself right. to the truth, you do learn. I don't know how, how great it is to shout him out. Like I went from growing up, I don't do real well with, I find myself being a contrarian. So like, if I'm in a group of people who believes one thing, I think just the devil in me just wants to spite people. And I hate that about myself. So, um, I found out. I know that, nothing about that. Right, right. So I think what I end up doing is I, I'm open to learning, just not in live debate. Like I'll study something and I'll find resources and so on and so forth. And I've gone from, you know, um, hardcore Protestant dude that's all kinds of like time and place conversion to, um, you know, more of a Pedo baptism in which you're baptized and you're, you know, you, you confess your faith at some point, but you can't necessarily pick a time to I've played Calvinism for three or four years. But anyway, I, and then I'm back in kind of a middle way. But the reason being is because I, I do commit myself to studying. And so I think that's, that's the goal is that we commit ourselves to truth, no matter how hard yeah. and how long it takes to get there. But right. now that also makes me a little wishy-washy on occasion. Yeah. But, I mean, me too, you know, but, but I think the wishy-washy is, is good in, in the respect that that means that you're listening, right. that you're willing to commit to time to studying and really listening to the spirit to lead God and direct you to the proper, the proper path, you know, which I think kind of pulling that back to scripture was part of the problem here is because they were so dead set on their traditions and the way that they've always done things that they weren't willing to listen to the spirits and understand that now it was not just the Jews and you didn't have to abide by the Mosaic law in order to be a follower of Christ, which happens a lot. You know, that the, the denomination that I came out of, and I, and I said that in the introduction, if I had stuck with them and, and stayed in that and not have been willing to expound upon my beliefs and do some study and understand the scripture differently, I would have never said yes to becoming a pastor um, because the denomination that came out of did not believe women should be any kind of leadership within a church. Um, and, and it's only because I was willing to study and learn and listen and allow God to lead God and direct my life that I'm sitting in the position that I'm, that I'm in today. So I was the one who changed my theological beliefs, <laughs> you know, um, which I'm, I'm internally thankful for, but we need to, we need to study. We need to listen. We need to sometimes be a little wishy-washy. Yeah, and, and uh, what's the, uh, remember, Logan, you might be too young, you're not too much younger than me or Becky, but like the uh, Iraq war, I don't know how many politicians, there was at least three or four and that said, I was right about this before I was wrong about it, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. that and you don't get like stickers, you know, you don't get your gold star for being right and wrong later, right? We're just committed to getting it right. And, and so yeah. you don't have to say things like, well, I was right before I was wrong. I'm like, no, we're still journeying, we're studying, so yeah um 
I think that's what we're getting at here in Galatians. And we talked about it last week, how Peter, you know, Peter was on the Jerusalem council that said, here's what we're trying to get the, the Gentiles to do or what's acceptable, but you still yeah. struggle. And so it's a constant thing. And I guess the other thing about theological debate is allow the person you disagree with to gracefully come around to your, your point of view. If, if, if you, if you're right, right. Like don't yeah. people to their stupidity from years ago or whatnot, mm-hmm. right. You, people mm-hmm. change, people grow, people, you know. Thankfully, we change right. and grow, you yeah. know. And about this lesson, it's really interesting because wel- the welcoming of the Gentiles into the community of faith, they, like, it wasn't a new thing for Gentiles to come in, to, to come in and be welcomed, because there were always provisions in the Old Testament for, you know, leave a corner of your field so that foreigners can come in and take what food they need and leave. And then if, if, if a foreigner or a Gentile wants to come in and be a part of the faith community, they need to convert to Judaism. They, you know, they need to abandon their Gentile, their, you know, their Gentile identity and become a Jew. That was always a possibility. The big debate now in the, in the church was, do they now need, do they now, since Jesus has come, do they now need to abandon their Gentile identity and become Jews like us? Right. Or can they be accepted as they are? Mm. And just as I am without one. Yeah. And, and so what happens is the council meets in Acts 15 and says, well, here are these, here are these rules. Like you can't be, I think one of the rules was that they couldn't be sexually immoral. Uh, one of the rules was that they couldn't partake of blood. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, like a third one. Yeah. But I don't remember what. Yeah, I'm terrible. Talking, I'll get that. Yeah. yeah. So they basically said, well, as long as they as long as they don't do these three things, then there's no reason why they sh- why they should have to convert to Judaism, become circumcised and all this stuff. And so that was the ruling of the Jerusalem Council. Um, and then that's, and then that's why you have this situation come up in Galatia. Now, I think the reason going back to, going back to what Becky said in the lesson, Becky said that this was written, uh, between 48 and 50 AD is there's debate about whether or not Galatians, the book of Galatians was written before or after the council of Jerusalem Uh and that kind of. And I think in a, like it doesn't affect it. It doesn't affect the letter of Galatians too much, but it does kind of affect the context in which you read it. Right. Now, Chris, I don't know if you have an opinion on that one way or the I other. I do. I think this happened after after I studied it. I had to, but I, I'm not tied to it. But I, I think it. I think from what I've studied, I've come down on that this happened after the Jerusalem Council, which makes the the conflict between Peter and Paul even more interesting in a sense. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. because if because yeah. if Peter's insisting, if Peter's insisting that people have to convert to Judaism, then become Christian, then he's actually acting in opposition to what the council ruled. That which way. goes back to our lesson. Huh? I mean what he said. He was part of that. Yeah. Yeah, he was part which, of that. Which goes back to our lesson on church government. Right. Right. From mm-hmm. last week. So if a, if, a, if the ruling body of church government, whether it be a session, whether it be Presbyterian or General Assembly, makes a ruling on something, 
you know, assuming it's not unbiblical, um, then and then the church or the presbytery under that goes out and makes a different statement. Well, they're acting in opposition to how the council has ruled. They're acting in opposition to how the presbytery, the general assembly has ruled. Right. And, and then you where, have to deal with that. Yeah, that's where I was saying last week, you have to be committed to this fellowship, whatever it is. And the other thing would be, it's hard. Like just understand it's hard. Um, but I'm going to get you the four. There were four rules for the Jerusalem council. And it was that you abstain from uh, food polluted by idols, sexual immorality, the meat of strangled animals and blood. Those were the rules. Okay. And that's Acts 15, 29. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So, all right. So I think we've probably got that, the, the setting pretty well done. Again, I think Logan, mm -hmm. you said it right in the sense of this could have happened before the Galatian or before the Jerusalem council or after. I tend to think uh, it happened. This happened after because of my studying, but again, I'm not, I'm going to be wishy-washy on that. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of people who will assume that because Galatians appears in the new Testament after acts that, well, you see, it's right there. So yeah, it doesn't work that it, way. right. The Bible's not in chronological not. order. Sorry, bud. No, mm -mm. it is not. Um, all right. So Becky, you want to give us a parting shot on that section or do we want to go on to the digging deeper? We'll dig in deeper here. How's that sound? Let's dig. That's dig. So, so Paul gives a short biography of who he is and where he's come from, um, talking to the Galatians about where he's come from in the past, you know, who he was before God called him and how his views have changed. Um, if you think about that, you know, Paul was very zealous for the letter of the law, following the Mosaic tradition following all the rules and regulations. And now Paul is going, that's not what we do anymore because Jesus has come and he has given us the new covenant in his blood. And so Look, Paul really, go ahead. I was just going to stop you just for a second and mention yeah. that if you want a good overview of Paul's conversion, you have to listen to our very own Peter Jeffrey's sermon on this. Uh, Peter Jeffrey pastor is the pastor at Holly Grove church. He's also basically the soundtrack for boss. Right. Um, yes. He, um, he, he's currently doing a sermon series called cancel culture. Um, wow. So he's, he's doing good cult cultural engagement um, on that, but he preached a sermon in that series about uh, Paul's conversion. And the title of the sermon is uh, we should have been canceled or something like that, or Paul should have been canceled. But mm. he, he talks mm. about in the sermon, Peter talks about how uh, Peter Jeffrey, not the apostle Peter, <laughs> Peter Jeffrey talks about how uh, Paul should have been canceled because of all the evil stuff that he did. And right. yes, Jesus redeems him. And which yes. is completely antithetical to cancel culture, because within cancel culture, there is no forgiveness for what you do. You can proceed. Yes. I just thought. I'd throw okay. That out. Okay. No, that's good. That's good because that's that's very true. So 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 Paul has done a complete one eighty, and instead of following the Mosaic laws and the traditions and the legalism, he is now following what Christ is teaching. Um, and that's really what this digging deeper section is about, is understanding that, yes, this is how things were, 
but no, that's not how things are anymore. And he was, he was really battling legalism and legalism is in the, well, I'll just read it here. The second paragraph up on the bottom of page 65, it says, in other words, the legalism of the Judaizers is more than a problem. It has become a new message, a different gospel. Um, and it's this gospel that was being spread through Galatia, the gospel that you had to become a Jew before you can be a real quote unquote Christian. Um, and that was the problem that Paul was trying to battle here is, is this this different gospel message that was being preached. Yeah. Um, yes. So again, I think that goes back to what we were saying there. It, it's this sense in which like, I think Paul actually did in his whole, his whole being wanted to know the truth. He wanted to know God and he was very not wishy-washy about it, but he right. did at least know when to say, okay, my experiences, the truth, the scriptures have led me to a new way. And then as zealous as he was about the old way, he was also as zealous about the new way, right? Yes, yeah. Um, but he certainly- I can only imagine that three days, you know, the conversations that he had to be having in his mind with God as he sat there in, in just silence, not eating anything, not being able to see anything, and understanding you know, God talking to him the whole time about how he believed this. And now it's, you know, look, this is where we are now. I golly to just to be a fly on the wall during that three day conversion process would have been phenomenal to say the least. So here's another one though. So like you bring up uh, Logan, do you know if uh, Cornelius and Peter, uh, if that, do we know if that for sure happened before or after Galatia? well that was not helpful <laughs> good answer I'm assuming i mean like if i know the timeline of acts right so paul is converted in acts chapter eight right or nine mm -hmm. um and then he goes off in the desert for how many years right i mean right three, whatever and then he's gone anyway but then you look at peter here in acts chapter 10 i don't know the timeline necessarily but it's not too far I mean, like, but this is where he has the experience with the Roman centurion Cornelius mm -hmm. and like bucking the trend. Then he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, wait, the Holy Spirit came upon this, this Gentile. And then even he says, surely no one can stand in the way of, of them being baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So, I mean, this is something that Peter struggled with. I mean, even doesn't matter when the timeline is when Galatia, but Peter struggled with this all the time. Like, yes. right. Like, and he wanted to be the best, most faithful person he could. And so, um, again, I think that's, uh, that's, we allow people to struggle, but yeah. we, we are committed to the truth wherever that leads us. And, and mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I have a hard time. Uh, here's what I think. I think the actual conflict between Paul and Peter that Paul talks about in Galatians I think the actual conflict between those two happened before uh, the situation with Cornelius. Okay, thanks. So. And, and so I think I think the conflict between Peter and Paul happened. Then I think that that uh, what Paul said to Peter was confirmed through a vision given to Peter 
Then the whole situation with Cornelius's household happened. Then in Acts 11, Peter retells what happened with Cornelius. Then we get to the Jerusalem Council. That could be too. That could be a good timeline. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't know. That's just me speculating because I would have a hard time. Uh, like if if Jesus showed me a clear vision of this, of, of the Gentiles being accepted, then I think that I would have a hard time denying that afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I'm pretty maybe. stubborn and hard, hard-headed, so maybe I would have a hard time with it afterwards. And yeah. be like, I, Lord, I would, did you really show that to me, or did I just eat some bad shrooms? No. You know, I, I know the Lord has showed me a lot of things that I should do, and I and I want to up here, but I struggle right. too. Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, because because it's like you know, Jesus tells us exactly what we should do, mm-hmm. and then we don't do it. Right, because like we have an entire like we have an entire book where this happens, right? right? God says do this, and then we say I don't want to do that, and then God says if you don't do that, bad stuff will happen, and you know what happens? Bad stuff. I so um, one of the passages that I read probably once a month, um, and I also use this passage to see if I like a Bible translation or not. And it's the Romans passage where Paul goes through that just from to me, it's 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 hard to read. And like the versions that try to make as plain English as possible, I think it makes it harder to read. But it's the those things that I want to do, I don't do. And those things that I don't want to do this, I keep on doing and so on. Anyway, if you read that passage, right. it's hard. But I understand exactly then what Paul means in a lot of ways, because I am a human like you're a human. And, and it is like in our mind, as Paul says, in our mind, we're subject to the to the law of God, but in, in, in its flesh, we're subject, and so there's this constant struggle of things we know, but things we still don't achieve or do, <laughs> it's hard to, right, very hard to think about those things, it's very, very difficult, but anyway, um, anything else on that, I mean, Becky's got something she's doing, so we're gonna, I just, I just really like the, the Scott McKnight quote that she posted there at the end, go ahead and read it, uh, Scott McKnight says Galatians defines legalism as a religious system that combined Christianity with mosaism in a way that demanded a total commitment to Israel's law as the climax of one's conversion to Christ. This deeper commitment to the law, according to Paul, was a subversion of the adequacy of Christ's work and an abandonment of the Holy Spirit as God's way of guiding Christian ethics. In other words, the legalism of the Judaizers is more than a problem. It has become a new message, a different gospel. And I think that's what we need to contend with whenever we're reading the book of Galatians as a whole, is that when Paul in Galatians 1 says, if, if I, if I myself or an angel from heaven preach come to you and preach another gospel, let them be accursed, right? Mm-hmm. So, what, what's Paul saying? Is he saying anything that takes away from the, from the work of Christ on the cross, anything that takes away from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's a false gospel. And I think that we have a hard time identifying and even saying the phrase false gospel, like mm. in the modern day. In, well, in, in, I mean, I know it's not just in the Cumberland Presbyterian circles, but 
we live in Cumberland Presbyterian circles, right? So in Cumberland Presbyterian circles, we have a hard time pointing to stuff and saying, well, that's a false gospel. That's heresy. That's wrong. Because we just want to get along with everybody and we want to have unity. Here's the problem. If you don't have unity around the gospel, you don't have unity. You have a facade of unity. All right. So there is a phrase that I have tried to say 17 different times in 17 different lessons, and I'm looking it up right now. Uh, in, is it the in all things yes. charity? Yes. Uh, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you get it on your own. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. So I got it. It's coming up. <laughs> No, okay, so in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And I right. think that is important because it does, no, but what makes it hard is that you, you, you have to then decide on what unity is because the Jewish Christians, mm. or what is, well, I think you, like, I mean, I think you have to decide, decide what essentials are. That's what I meant. Uh, you have to decide what essentials are because the Jewish Christians are like, this right. is essential, and this is essential. So that's where that phrase breaks down. But um, oh, I'm I'm done. I, I I had a I had a thought, and then I got sucked up by that scripture or that uh, reference. Anyway, um, oh, I think it was about the false gospel thing. Um, no, I'm done. I'm Becky. <laughs> do you want to go any more in that? Well, I just wanted to say, you know, while I was listening to you, I was listening to y'all talk. I think one thing we have to keep in mind with Peter, especially, is that Peter, I'm sure, was under a lot of peer pressure from his contemporaries to continue doing the way they'd always been done. And so Peter was caught in between of, of trying to do what Jesus was calling them to do and trying to discern and, and guide this new path while at the same time, probably being very, very um, heavily influenced by his peers. Um, And and I think Paul, Paul's attitude, you know, if we really look at his personality, I don't think that was such a problem for Paul, because I think Paul was an extremely strong personality and individual, where once he had his mind made up, that was, that was it. And I think Peter was really trying to bridge that gap between between the two and yeah. trying to do, that which really be. goes along with what your quote is saying. You know, yeah. it's it's um, trying to discern what that is, what's charitable and what's essential. I think what well, I've come to, because people have their temperaments. And, and like I said, I'm a little wishy-washy, but I, I know that's probably not the term I'm looking for. It's that I'm trying to discern what is over the line more so than I am anything. And I don't want to mm-hmm. commit error one way or the other. Um, and so I'm glad, like, I'll say this, like one of the reasons why I appreciate the Cumberland Presbyterian Church is that we have some people who are on the left and then we have a lot of people who are on the right. And I like to hear them because right. I need to know what I think, if that makes sense. And, and so like, I appreciate the pushback, although it doesn't help a lot in, in the goal of unity sometimes, but like I have learned a lot from people that I don't necessarily agree with, or I've strengthened myself by hearing that. And Mm -hmm. then I've also been strengthened by people who I agree with, 
but they've thought about it deeper than I have. And then I can see them and their teaching. And I'm like, yeah, that confirms what I was thinking. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so there's I, one CP guy on the left that I really appreciate. And I won't say his name because I don't know if he would appreciate me saying that he's on the left, but I'm, I'm to the right of Genghis Khan. So. <laughs> right. So Everyone's to the left of me. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think, but that is healthy in the sense too. And while like in Galatia, they had to battle it out, but it was good. And it led to the growth of Peter and it led to the growth of Paul and it led to the growth of the Galatian church after, yes. after it was, but they, again, they were committed to one another too, I think. Like right. they were committed to, to finding truth. And that's the, that's the important part. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything else on that? Or should we turn to, uh, turn to learn? Yeah, let's turn to learn, I think. All right. So really what, what all does this mean for us today? Um, and I think in that third paragraph or one, two, three, fourth paragraph, that's what I say is this is the same problem that we're battling with today. We're, we still have these issues in our churches today. We have a spoken legalism, but there's also that unspoken legalism. Um, rules and regulations that members of a church expect newcomers to abide by before they can be considered, quote, real Christians. Um, rituals that have to be followed and hoops that have to be jumped through before they can become a follower of Christ. Um, this is something that we still struggle with. You know, what is it that is a requirement? What is essential? What is not essential? Um, and how do we deal with the people in that process? You know, every church has its unspoken rules. What kind of clothing is acceptable? What kind of music is acceptable? What kind of books you can, cannot read? What kind of movies you can, cannot watch? Um, you know, we all have these little legalism in, in ourselves of what we consider Christian and non-Christian. Um, and that's, and that's something hard for us sometimes to think about because we all, all of our churches want to think that we're welcoming and loving and caring for everybody, but that's not always the truth. Not always truth. I'll say this. I don't have a problem actually with like, you know, these hidden rules and regulations of a church if they don't confuse it with what the gospel is, right? Right. Like every group has their like, here's what you have to do to be part of this group, whether it's good or bad and different, whatever. That's human. That's human nature. Mm -hmm. What what becomes a problem is, is when like, like say you're a group, uh, um, is it Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, John Calvin, whatever, they would say Christ plus nothing right? Like that's salvation, Christ plus nothing. But at the same time, depending on where you grow up or whatnot, you, you take on certain characteristics. So like if you're a church and you're like, okay, drinking's fine, but you can't be a drunk here. Like, right? Like you can't do it. And like, mm-hmm. and, and so I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't, I don't like legalism in the sense of, hey, this is um, what you have to do to be saved. If it's Christ plus mm-hmm. anything, I'm not, I'm not about it. But at the same time, like if, if you're part of a community that has experienced certain things, you might have a cus- cultural custom that protects you or protects your flock from, from losing, uh, you know, good habits or good things or whatnot. So I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what irritates me is whenever you get into, you know, social norms and, and those, those thing those rules or whatever is people, 
have a problem with the sins you can see, right. but they don't have a problem, right. you know, the sins you can see, because some things we consider sin aren't really sin. Right. I'll give you an example of that in a second. But we have a problem with sins that we can see, but we don't have a problem with sins we can't see. Right. Like whenever, whenever I was pastoring at my first uh, Cumberland Presbyterian church, there was a woman who uh, said that I was blatantly sinning because I posted a selfie of me smoking a cigar on Facebook. And yet she had a tongue so long you could roll it out the back door of the church and slap a man off his bicycle in front of Walmart. You know, got a problem with smoking, doesn't have a problem with gas with gossiping and going around saying how much she hated the pastor. So, uh, yeah. So there's that. I, what I was trying to say to, yeah. to like think about the Amish communities, like they have specific rules to be part of their community. Like you have to do certain things. And mm -hmm. I would say at this point in time in a world of cell phones and technology and everything else. It's not a bad thing to say, hey, in order to be part of our group, we're going to we're going to practice this way, which I, they don't have to be tied to salvation, but just to be part of our movement and to make sure that we're I have no problems with Amish folk thinking that they have to live simple and plain doesn't bother me a bit. And I would hate for I would hate for us to say, like, if you're going to be a true Christian, you have to, like, be part of our movement or whatever. But like right. things that that encourage growth that tradition. Right. Has. And so. I don't, so, and then in context of this, Paul then, um, is it Timothy? Who, who got circumcised so that they could- It was better. Timothy. Okay, Timothy. Yeah. So like, and to, to further say, like you would say that that's a hip, hypocritical thing for Paul to do. First, he's over here saying like, well, how can you even think about doing these things? That's a different gospel. But then at the same time, he's like, ah, oh, Timothy, you might want to get snip snip so that you can have a better effective ministry. And, and yes. I think that's where I'm trying to say, like there's certain things that can encourage our growth by being a part of, but they cannot become salvation. I mean, I don't want to get off onto, onto this topic yeah. too far, but would they have checked? Okay, I don't know. I think that goes up with the Deuteronomy <laughs> 21 passage. You're not going to crochet that anywhere. <laughs> right? You're just not going to do it. So. Right, yeah. But no, I was having a discussion with this uh, about, uh, with, with my friend Chance about this, and he was he was kind of curious as to about as to you know why Paul said you don't have to get circumcised and yet he was like all right Timothy let's you know yeah let's do some surgery <laughs> right right so so there is something there where we know right. Christ was nothing but then there's also something like where you can have some distinctives um anyway what else on that and I think the one thing that we, we miss on that, though, is that as we grow and mature with God, God shows us different things and changes us. Um, I know personally from when I came back to church a decade plus ago, um, that things that I thought were okay then, I, I don't think are okay now, at least not for me personally. Um, because God has shown me that that's not something I need to be involved in. That's not something that I need to be, uh, witnessing whatever it is, whether it's movies or books or, you know, whatever that God has changed me and yeah. showed me that that's not where, where I need to be. And that's something that we also need to offer, I think, grace to people because when they first come to the church and they're learning what it means to be a follower of Christ, 
some things that may not bother them, but as they mature and as they grow in their faith, then it, then it does. And we're all on a, on a different point of that journey. We're all, we're not all on the same path and the same point on that path. You know, we're all trying to follow Christ and we're all trying to be uh, as best of follower Christ as we possibly can be. But some of us are way, way, way further down that path than some of us who are just getting onto that path. And we need to offer grace and love and understanding for everybody who's on that path together. That's that, that's that charitable part of, of your uh, quote there. Yep. All right. Anything else on learning this learning from the scriptures, the witness of the church, if not, then Becky, yeah. take us home with applying the scripture. Okay, so how do how do we apply this? I think I just kind of talked about that. We need to we need to share our testimonies. We need to share our faith journeys um, because they are important. They show people that maybe we're further down the path right now, but we weren't always. We were at the beginning of that path at some point in time, and and just because I'm further down doesn't mean that you can't jump on the path and start start today. So um, I'll, I, I say it in here and I'm going to read it. I am a tattooed, ex-smoking, ex-drinking, ex-partyaholic, um, right? And if, and if I had met um, church people at that point when God was calling me home that were pointing fingers and saying, look at all this blah, blah, blah that you've done, that you're doing, um, you know, again, it's, it's that journey Um I, I'm not getting rid of my tattoos anytime soon. You know, laser surgery is expensive. And honestly, I kind of like my tattoos. Um, I've only quit smoking just five years ago. I mean, that was something new. That wasn't something that I quit doing when I first came to church. Um, and also God has shown me because of my path and my past that drinking is not the thing for me. And I'm not saying that, that you have to quit drinking. I'm just telling you that that's what God has shown me. I I don't need to be a participator of at this point in my life. Um, you know, so we're, we're all walking this journey together and I'm thankful for it because today I get to pastor two congregations amazingly, and I get to share the message of Christ with others. Um, and that's how we apply this to our life. It's a pretty good application. And I think you've said some true things like what's what God's called me to do isn't necessarily what God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. Christ plus nothing. That's right. Christ is plus that, nothing. Logan, is that CS or not CS? Is that uh, Charles Spurgeon? He made that Christ plus nothing. I, I'm going to be honest. You know, the first person I heard say it was Tolian Chavigian, uh, but yeah. I don't know who he stole it from. Spurgeon. <laughs> I'm thinking so because that sounds like. A Spurgeon. Either Spurgeon or Martin Luther. Both of them could be up. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up, see if I can find it. It, it does um, sound Spurgeon-esque. I'll give it that. I don't know. We may have to we may have to say that one up. Um, we can figure that out next week. Yeah, there we go. Because I'm not sure who who said next us. Week. Next week. <laughs> next week we'll find um, it. Yeah. I'm going to end today by sharing just, I got a message from one of our uh, listeners slash watchers um, and whatever lesson it was a couple of weeks ago, we would talk, we were talking about witnessing and, and Logan brought up how he had a friend or knew, knew of a, I think an Anglican pastor that had a, uh, 
that wore his collar just purposely so it could open up and create um, conversations or whatnot. And I, I told y'all that, you know, symbolisms like when priests walked into the subway or whatever, it just changed me. So anyway, I got a message from someone that shared an experience when they were younger. Uh, their husband had given them a cross and she said she was in a parking lot one day and there was a lady who looked like she was fainting or struggling that was carrying a baby. So she went over and said, do you, would you like me to hold your baby so you can get some help? And so the lady gave the baby to her. And then another gentleman walked the lady into the, to the place they had left to try to get some water or whatever else. Anyway, the lady who was not feeling good came back out, feeling better. And, you know, lady handed the baby back and I then asked, why did you trust me enough to hold your baby? And she said, well, I saw you were in a cross and I knew you were going to be okay. And so there's a, there's a power in that witness that when, when, when there is a presence of God, a stated presence of God, a witness to God mm -hmm. around, mm -hmm. things do change. And so anyway, keep that up, my friends. Uh, witness, mm -hmm. as Becky has said today, practice our witness, normalize our witness. That way it's not weird, right? Uh, yeah. When, when we do it. Yeah. And yeah, the more you talk about it, the easier it becomes, you know, and um, when I first started talking about my testimony, it was just because I was reliving a lot of memories in my mind, maybe not sharing them out loud, but because I was reliving those memories in my mind, that was, that was hard to talk about at first, but the more I've talked about it, the easier it becomes and the less those memories affect me, but I understand and can appreciate the path that I came from to the where I am today. And it, and it just, it just becomes easier. And, and I love now I got, have gotten to the point where I love to share my testimony because God pulled me through some amazing things and I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Never dismiss the power and the presence of God through signs and symbols. Um, that's, that's something we need to recover in modern, in modern Protestantism. Um, you know, surround yourself with things that remind you of Jesus wear things that that help others see jesus in you um you know and do and practice the gospel in word and in deed all right the lord bless you keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you and all that and we'll see you next week next week bye guys bye